That's the essence of sin. At its very root, sin is tasting the glory of Jesus and then choosing something else. So he says, with knowledge, he also says that your love may grow more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. Discernment means the ability to make right choices, the ability to make right judgments, right? That's discernment. And that word excellent, your translation may have superior there because that word can also be superior as, as in one thing that's superior to another. So what does Paul mean there? He's praying that their love may abound more and more And one of the ways that it will abound more and more is by their ability to discern and and approve what is excellent or superior. What's he talking about? Obedience? Yes, but I think he's the idea behind that is even deeper than just obedience. Approving the things that are excellent or the things that are godly. I think the idea that he has behind that is not just approving of godly ways and actions. What he has in mind is approving of the one that is excellent. In other words, Paul is saying that as you live in the grace of God and as you grow in your knowledge of Him, in increasingly more and more in your life, you will have the discernment to choose what is the excellent one over everything else. In other words, who is the excellent one? Jesus, right? So in your life, every day, you face hundreds of choices. And those choices very often are the choice between Jesus or something else, right? Let me just give an example. And I'll give a, I'll give a manly example because I am a man. And so I relate to this. Every day, men, we have the choice between getting a pleasure by looking at a woman who's not our wife or Jesus. That's a choice that we make every day. We can choose Jesus or we can choose something that's inferior. Ladies, you have similar choices in your life every day too. All of us have those choices all day long. And the choice is, can you discern what is truly superior and choose that over what's earthly. And as you do that, your love for the Father grows. As you, as you increase in your knowledge of God, in the grace of God, in your ability to discern the choices in your life between that which is truly excellent, which is truly superior, opposed to that which is not. Because you know, that's the essence of sin. At its very root, this is what sin is. Sin is tasting the glory of Jesus and then choosing something else. That's broken down as as low and as fundamental as it can get. Sin is tasting the glory of God and choosing something else. That's the essence of sin. And that's what Paul's getting at. Knowing the glory of Jesus, you choose something else. Paul's saying that doesn't happen in the heart of the person who's growing in love for Jesus. 
So that's what he means by uh, growth in knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Now I want you to notice something. Paul says that if your love abounds more and more with knowledge, as your knowledge of Jesus grows, as your discernment to choose Jesus over the things of the world grows, as long as that's growing, Paul says you may, at the day of Christ, be what? Pure and blameless. What's the implication? The implication is that if those things aren't growing, you won't be pure and blameless. You agree? That that's what Paul is implying there. I pray that you'll grow in your love for each other, your love for God, and you'll do that through your increasing knowledge of God, through your increasing discernment to choose Jesus over the world, so that at the day of Christ, you'll be found pure and blameless. The implication is, without that, you won't be. Listen to what Paul says to the Roman believers in Romans chapter 8. This is just after the passage I read earlier. In Romans chapter 8, Paul says, If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So what Paul says is, if we as followers of Jesus Christ find ourselves at home with the sin that's that's in us, Paul says that's death. If you find yourself comfortable with your sin, that's death. Now, does overcoming sin save us? No. Why not? Because Jesus overcame sin for us. And by faith in Him, His righteousness is credited to us. His forgiveness is applied to us. So overcoming sin does not save us. But the one who has received grace will fight to overcome sin. The one who has received grace cannot be permanently happy with sin that's in you. The one who has been saved by grace can no longer sin and be happy with it. So that's Paul's point here, that you may increase in love and knowledge and continue to grow so that the day of Jesus Christ you'll be found to be pure and blameless, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So what is fruit? Godly character, filled with the godly character. And it's not our character, it's whose? It's Jesus' character. That's what Paul says. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. How do we get the character of Jesus? By abiding in the vine. And how do we abide in the vine? How do we abide in the vine? By abiding in the Word, which is how Paul began that you may grow in your love with knowledge. Paul says we grow in godly character. We'll be filled with the fruit of righteousness of Jesus' character as we grow in love and knowledge. John in John 15, or Jesus in John 15 says, abide in the vine, abide in my word, and my character will be found growing in you. I think they're saying the same thing, don't you? And then he finishes by saying, to the glory and praise of God. Did you notice here? We'll finish right here with this. Did you notice something? Paul prays that God would do the same thing that God promised to do that Paul recognized he was doing in verse 6. 
In verse 6, Paul says, I'm certain of this, that God began this work and He'll complete it at the day of Jesus Christ. And then Paul goes on to pray that God would do the very thing that he just said he was certain that God was doing. Did you notice that? That shows us that we are right to ask God, to plead with God, to do what He's promised to do. You know what? Uh, my kids do that all the time. right? When I tell my kids, I'll do something, I'll take you here, we'll do this, I'll get you that, I'll, you know, whatever. And then they, they ask me to do what I told them I'm already going to do. You know what that does for me? It makes me ill. right? I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. I already told you we're going to do that, and we'll do it later. Don't ask me anymore. God is not like me. God is not offended when we ask Him to do what He's already promised to do. God is honored when we ask Him to do what He's already promised to do. So you find a promise in Scripture? Ask God for it. You find that He's promised to forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness when you confess your sin? Ask Him to do just that. You find in His Word that He's He's promised that His Word will lead and guide you and be a lamp to your feet and a light unto your path? Ask Him to do that very thing. You find in His Word that He's promised to fill us with the joy of the Lord. You ask Him to do that very thing because when He promises it, it delights His heart to have His children ask Him to do that. And this is what Paul does. He prays for these Philippian believers, which is, by the way, the most effective thing, the most powerful thing that you can do for any person. You know that? The most effective thing that you can do for anyone is to pray for them. You ever catch yourself saying, I've heard two ladies, just day before yesterday, I was standing in line somewhere and heard two ladies talking. They were obviously sharing with each other some, some deep struggle. And the one lady said to the other, you know, all we can do is pray. You ever catch yourself saying that? All we can do is pray as though all of the things that we can do are exhausted and we can't really do anything. So I guess all we can do is pray. Are you kidding me? All we can do is talk to the Creator and the Sustainer of the universe? All that we can do is talk to the God who promised to never leave us and never forsake us, who promised to work all things together for our good? All we can do is talk to Him? I encourage you, guard yourself against that way of thinking because it's natural for us earthbound humans to think that way. To think, well, if I can't do anything, I guess I'll have to just resolve myself to pray. Think of it in reverse. The most powerful and effective thing that you can do is pray. James says, the fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. That is the most effective thing that we can do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Truth That Transforms with pastor and Bible teacher Jason Wilkerson. Truth That Transforms is the daily teaching broadcast of Disciples Fellowship Church. We invite you to visit our website where you will find more resources to help in your journey of discipleship. You can find us at www.disciplesfellowshipnc.com or connect with our Facebook page at Facebook slash Disciples Fellowship NC. Truth That Transforms exists to glorify Jesus Christ through the teaching of His sanctifying and disciple-making Word.